Hello and welcome back to In and Out the Locker Room presented by Capital Championship Wrestling. I'm Alyssa Marino, professional cereal eater, pro wrestling commentator. She is the host of a wrestling gal podcast and one of CCW's newest commentators, Ella J. And of course, we are joined today by the mother effing king, your first ever Capital Championship Wrestling champion, Kylan King. Hey, hey how are you doing today? <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so good. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm still recovering from this past weekend. It was like four days or four and a half days straight of nonstop flights and no sleep, but it's, it was a good weekend. Obviously we have, uh, I, I kept it with me here. We have the, uh, the beautiful first ever CCW title. Look at that. Such detail. It's gorgeous. So here, let me flip it so you can actually see it's a warrior, it. much like it's yourself. Yeah, thank you. I try, man. I try. But yeah, it's it's beautiful and it's definitely been um can't keep my eyes off of it. So I'm just waiting to see who steps up and wants to to wrestle for me first. Okay, okay. Well, it definitely the, open. Yes, challenge open and definitely the <laughs> long weekend was well worth it coming out with a huge yes. prize. So of course, huge congratulations. Now, let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about your journey and the things that led you to this championship. So, you know, you've held gold in other companies, but here you get to set the tone at CCW as its inaugural champ. So what does it mean to you to be holding this title? I mean, for sure, one of, one of the biggest motivators for me when I got into professional wrestling was, especially because around the time that I got into wrestling, women were finally starting to have firsts and make history and do a lot of really, really cool things. And there was always a little fear in the back of my head that I waited too long and that I was going to miss the opportunity to have my first and make history. And, uh, what Marcello and CCW did for us with this tournament was just an ability for a lot of women who have been out there grinding to be a part of something really cool, historical, and a first ever moment. And so for me, that was like the biggest thing, being able to add to my accolades to be able to say that I was the first ever champion at Capital Championship Wrestling and to to start a women's promotion in an area that really isn't used to women's wrestling yet and being able to get people excited about that in, the, in a new territory that people aren't quite used to that yet was very, very cool. And so my biggest goal being the first ever champion is to continue that momentum and to create an atmosphere for women's wrestling in uh, Houston, Delaware, that people are just not ready for, you know, in a good way, in a good way. Like I, I just want to bring women's wrestling there and, and get them so excited. Like, and, and I feel like the energy that we, we got by the end of this tournament, that it was a good first stepping stone towards that. We're going to get people super excited about women's wrestling in Delaware for sure. Definitely too. And you were definitely a huge part of this tournament coming out as its inaugural champion, which nobody can ever take that away from you, Kylan. So that is something you will always have with you. But even after you won the CCW championship, you gave this really emotional post-match speech where you mentioned that, I mean, you mentioned six years ago at 25 years old, you were quote terrified. You were too old to get into the business, but the universe kept pushing you to pursue it. So yes. can you tell us more about how you felt? you were led to finally go after that dream of professional wrestling by this universe? Oh, let me see if I can find a, a quick way to tell this story. Cause it's, there's a lot of details about it, but okay. essentially, <laughs> essentially, um, I, I wanted to be a wrestler since I was a child, but parents weren't crazy about it. So I held off for a really long time talking about it, did what my mom and dad asked of me, went to college, was in college for about six years. And in the process of being in college, I 
pretty much whatever I could get my hands on that kind of pertained to wrestling. I tried it. Like, so I did a lot of theater. I did a lot of dance and I did a lot of uh, martial arts. I did that for all, all three of those for about six years. And uh, there was just one day where I was sitting in my classroom. I, I think it was like some history lecture or something like that. And I'm sitting there and all I could think about was the wrestling match I watched the night before. And I just felt, I remember I felt my body trembling. I started sweating and I, and I was like, I think I'm having an anxiety attack because of the idea of not being a professional wrestler had gotten so strong in that moment that like the idea of not doing it just like broke my heart. And I was like, no, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I have to be a professional wrestler. So I went home, I told my parents, they were not crazy happy about it. But, uh, the moment I made that decision, like things just started falling into place. Like suddenly, um, my workload became a little bit less. So I was able to pick up another job and I was able to save. And then uh, when it looked like I wouldn't be able to afford because, cause my instinct was to move to Florida after I made the decision. I don't know why. Cause now that I've moved out of Ohio, I find that there's a lot of great wrestling in Ohio, but in the moment, my instinct was to move to Florida and I didn't think I was going to be able to afford it. And then all of a sudden two of my brothers were like, Oh, you want to move to Florida? We were thinking about getting out of Ohio. We'll go with you. So all of a sudden the financial issue was no longer, uh, an issue. So, so we made the move to Florida. And then as soon as we moved to Florida, I had no idea what I was looking for, but within a week or two, I met a guy at my gym who, uh, saw my training was like, Hey, wh- what, what are you training for? And I told him, I said, I'm trying to become a professional wrestler. And he was like, huh, that's crazy. I train at team 3d Academy with the Dudley boys. You should stop by sometime. I'm like, okay, crazy stranger danger, but let's, let's do this. <laughs> So I hop in a car with him on a random, I think it was like a Tuesday afternoon. I met Bubba and I couldn't afford the school at the time. It was very, very expensive. Uh, but then a, like a month later, uh, I get reached out to by one of the guys who ran the school and said, Hey, we're having a deal. If you can put this much money down, you have the rest of the year free. And I just happened to have that much money at the time. And I said, okay, cool. We're going to do this. So, uh, fast forward, like six months, uh, Billy Gunn, starts to become one of the trainers at our school and somehow him and I just had like a really uh, quick connection with each other. Like I just met him and his personality reminded me of somebody in my family. So we just instantly got along and uh, he ended up helping me out in so many ways. Like he, he, he became like my wrestling dad. He just took me under his wing and made sure that I understood the business and, and just guided me so much. And then, you know, fast forward a year and a half, uh, my wrestling career starting to pick up, getting a little momentum. WrestleMania season is coming. I'm about to have one of the biggest matches of my career. And then COVID hits mm-hmm. <laughs> and I lose all my bookings and um, the world shutting down and wrestling as we know it, like we don't know what's going to happen next. And so I up and moved to a different part of Florida. And uh, like, I don't know, like a week later, Billy texts me and says, Hey, get your butt to AEW. I want them to see you. And then that's how my career ended up in AEW. And then AEW launched me into a whole new uh, atmosphere of wrestling. So it's like, there were a lot of moments where like it shouldn't have happened. And the universe kept saying, no, man, keep going, like do the work, but here, here, here's a, here's your sign to know, like, this is meant for you. So it's just crazy. And then like, it's just little moments like that. There's so many more that I could drop, like, injuries that I somehow rehabbed myself, like a lot of, a lot of things, but those were like the big moments where it was like, I wasn't sure. Maybe I was just kidding myself. And then the universe was like, yeah, no, 
keep going. <laughs> so I think it's safe to say that maybe you will be resting till you're 80 years old. Like you oh, said, yes. it's, oh, yes. I mean, <laughs> it's just what the universe wants. It is. I'm going to be one of those crazy old ladies wearing a one piece, just <laughs> ah, like throwing my body around like a mad person. It's, it's going to be great. I can't wait. I can't wait to tell all my grandkids about it. In that post match speech, in that post match speech too, <laughs> you mentioned too about, I mean, being 25, six years ago, you felt that you were too old to do it. So how did you overcome that initial fear of feeling too old to start training and take that leap? I, I think it kind of pertains back to the whole having an anxiety attack about wrestling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just, there was just something in my heart that said like, Hey, yeah, you can be afraid of this and you can be afraid of that, but you waited so long to finally speak your truth and tell everybody what you wanted. And there's no going back. So whether, whether you succeed or fail, you have to try this. And like I said, every single time it looked like failure was going to be the end goal. Like, it's just, there was something that reminded me like, Hey, no, you're going to keep going because you waited a really long time to tell everybody what you wanted. And now that you're doing it, you you've never been more committed to anything in your life. Like that, that was another big thing that, that kind of proved to me that wrestling was, was the do all, uh, like everything that I ever pursued in life, even if I enjoyed it, I never like had like this undying fire to keep at it mm-hmm. with wrestling, no matter how hard it got. The next morning I woke up and said, all right, please, sir, can I have some more? And like, I just, I just kept doing it. And like, there, I don't know, it's, it's kind of unexplainable. You know, there's just, it's just like a little fire inside of you that just tells you like, you're going to keep doing it. Even on the days where I feel like I can barely walk, I still end up in a ring somehow. And I go train. <laughs> I just love it. I love it. Everything, every single part about wrestling, it's just makes me so happy. So. And, and that's amazing. Cause it's that love, that fire, that force that's been kind of pushing you forward. It's, I mean, obviously I'm sure you're very grateful for it because since making your debut, you have had this incredible upward trajectory. So what are some of the influences and experiences that you feel shaped you into the competitor that you are now? I think definitely, um, I mean, growing up, I have five brothers, so we've always had a very competitive atmosphere in our house. Like Mm -hmm. any sport that we could play or get our hands on, we would play. Um, so I've always had that as a kid growing up, but I think definitely like, I don't know, like I think because of how much I love it, like the more I study, the more I just want to be able to do everything. And that just, that really like fires me up. Like, like some people, when they watch other wrestlers, I, there's, there's, there's always that, um, people always tend to mention that wrestling can be a very selfish sport. I understand that side of it. But for me, when I'm studying other people, I don't get envious. I get excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, how could I, how did I not know that this existed? Or how did I never think of something like this? And so the more I study, the more I just want to emulate and do everything that people have done before me. And, uh, I think, so I think definitely like the people before me are definitely something that inspire me to like be better every single time. And I even said it too, um, after the tournament was over, like, every single time I step in the ring with somebody new and I get to learn and grow with them, that gets me more excited and more uh, revved up to become a better competitor, just so I can be a better competitor for myself and a better competitor for the people that I step in the ring with. Because at the end of the day, we all want to leave history behind. You know, we all want to leave content that 20 years from now, people will watch and be like, oh, I need to do it like they did it. You know what I'm saying? So just, just even that simple thought of someday somebody's going to be watching 
my work, that makes me want to push and compete even harder every single time. And you're definitely not only a competitor in pro wrestling, but you mentioned earlier, obviously you did martial arts before coming into this thing we call pro wrestling. So yeah. how was it adjusting your body and your mindset from martial arts to professional wrestling? Was it like a drastic difference for you to adjust? There's, there's some similarities and then okay. there's, there's not some similarities. <laughs> um, I mean, Martial arts definitely prepared me for some of the athletic parts of wrestling, like knowing how to roll and how to, how to post yourself and how to control your body and, and such. The, the hardest transition was just relaxing. In, in, in MMA, there's a lot of uh, resistance. You know, you're fighting, you're, 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 it's, it's a shoot. You're trying to take the person down. You're trying to get some um, legit techniques in there. In wrestling, there's more of a fluidity. There's more, you know, there, there's lanes that you have to follow and there's, there's guidelines and stuff like that. And uh, for a while, it took me a long time to, to just find the relaxation in it and not be so serious all the time. I think there was a long period of time where I was always like, I'm a fighter, like just way too serious and forgetting that wrestling isn't just a sport, it's entertainment. So I think that was the biggest struggle for me was just relaxing finding, finding my voice and, and having fun and remembering to entertain while also competing. Certainly a, uh, a learning curve. I'm, I'm sure that took place. Can you think back to a certain match in your career or a certain moment when that light bulb went on and you felt like everything just kind of clicked for you? Ooh, let me think, let me think. Um, I mean, this, I definitely loved and I don't know if the match is actually out there. My match with uh, Trisha Dora at uh, Generation Championship Wrestling. It's I think it's on YouTube. I think it's one of those kind of those hidden gems because it wasn't like a it was like an episode. It wasn't just like our match. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot harder to find. Um, that was one of my first bigger title matches. And I just remember like she was somebody that I used to train with. So I really loved working with her. Um, my first ladder match with Wolf Taylor. That was definitely one of the first matches I had that like made me realize like I could handle the, the, the pain that sometimes wrestling could. Cause that was like, like I said, it was my first ladder match. Some of the bumps I took, like I, <laughs> it was one of those afternoon shows you show up at four, uh, it starts at 4 PM and you're done by like seven. And I had to go straight to my shoot job after that, which I worked overnights at the airport. So I had a ladder match. I got bruised all over my body. My, my right leg was swollen. I could barely walk. And I had to like go to work afterwards. I'm like, all right, if I can get through this shift, I know I I can be a professional (laughs) wrestler for the rest of my life. That was one of those, like those tested moments where I was like, if I can just, you know, if I can deal with this, I'm a lifer, it'll happen. And sure enough, we got through it. Um, but more recently, I think one of the biggest matches I had that like really showed me growth was my match with Ray Lynn at mission pro. Mm -hmm. Um, because during COVID for the longest time, like I was off, nobody knew that I was really off training, uh, Mm -hmm. trying to master my technical abilities better because in AEW, like a lot of my matches were, you know, they're very quick. Um, and you only get to showcase a little bit at a time. So that was one of my first like longer matches since COVID had happened where people hadn't seen all the stuff that I've been working on. Um, and so when Ray Lynn and I got to do all that, I, I remember even Thunder Rosa came up to me afterwards. She's like, I didn't know you could wrestle like that. And I, I started laughing. I was like, I didn't know I could wrestle like that either. <laughs> I was like, I've been working on it, but I haven't got to do it in a match yet. So I think that was 
probably one of my favorite matches just because it was one of those moments where I realized like, Hey, I'm more than just a big girl. I can do technical wrestling. I can get fancy with it. And if it comes down to it, I know how to, I know how to brawl. We can just, we can entertain people for five minutes, just punching the crap out of each other and it's fine. So definitely, definitely those three were, were definers for me. Definitely too. You are such a warrior in and outside of the ring. I don't know if I'd be able to go to my shoot job after having a ladder match. Like it's just explaining that I would just want to go home, but that definitely shows that you're definitely dedicated to your craft in between training, competing, traveling, and all of that jazz. So when you actually maybe do have some free time, what do you enjoy doing outside of the pro wrestling world? Um, I'm going to sound so lame. I just watch wrestling. <laughs> I just watch wrestling. Like, um, okay. So I like to go to the gym a lot, obviously like that's a big, but even before I got into wrestling, like I, I, like I said, I had five brothers growing up and, uh, we were always very competitive about our gains and stuff like that. And so like, even now that I'm not around my brothers all the time, I'm always got that, like, I got to keep going. I got to keep, I got to keep working and getting stronger and better every single day. So that's just like, I wake up and that's like, it's a part of my daily routine now, whether there's wrestling or not. Um, I do like to cook, uh, and bake. Like I've been getting more into baking lately because now that I'm more on a health, uh, health nut thingy I've been finding like all these crazy healthy recipes that don't taste like healthy recipes and that's like my biggest uh fun thing to do when I have a little bit of time and then uh I, I guess watch Netflix and cuddle with my dog What's that's, dog's that's name? Calvin okay sweet yeah he's <laughs> he's he's the best I I would bring him in here but for the ring light that I use during my interviews for some reason he's terrified of it so whenever oh. I have it out, he just, he won't come in. The room. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Isn't that so ridiculous? <laughs> He's terrified of a ring light. All of our but, pets have weird corks. I feel like my cats yeah. are sometimes very strange. Yeah, it's all good. He's, he's still the most lovable little thing in the world. So <laughs> um, question, I mean, I mean, very quick follow-up on this. Has there been any standout healthy baking recipe that you need to share that you've been on? Yes. Uh, I found a recipe for peanut butter cookies, like protein peanut butter cookies, but they like the, the way you make them is so simple and they cut. Cause you know how sometimes peanut butter cookies can come out really hard yes. and like, it, they're so soft and I love them. So I think it's, um, it's been a couple months since I made them. It's like one egg, four scoops of whatever, like healthy kind of peanut butter you enjoy. Uh, and then you just put a little bit of vanilla extract a teeny bit of a sugar supplement in there and then your, your choice of protein powder. And then sometimes I like to throw like little, um, what is it like the chai seeds or something like that, just to add like a little bit of, of, uh, you know, to help the system go. I'm forgetting the yeah. word. Yeah. yeah. The digestive, <laughs> digestion. The digestive yes. system. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the fiber. That's the word I was looking for. Fiber for, for your fiber. extra okay. fiber. Yeah. But yeah, okay. it's, it's super simple. And like, I can have a snack that I, cause I'm a big dessert person. Like it's terrible. I have to have dessert at least once a day. Uh, if not, I go nuts. That's so a big mood. yeah, like, like I understand that as wrestlers, like we're supposed to be careful about what we eat, but like, I'm sorry. If that means I'm going to be a thick girl the rest of my life, I don't care. I love my desserts. So. Treat yourself, King. Yes, you. yes. So, <laughs> so that's definitely one of my favorites because it's super easy to make. It does not take long. And it's probably like the least amount of ingredients that you have to make for a dessert. And uh, yeah, you get your protein and you feel great. And 
your taste buds are happy. And <laughs> fiber. Yes. And fiber. <laughs> now, now talking about obviously like really healthy recipes and, and quick and easy are totally good because I mean, after years of being on the road, you I'm sure had a very hectic schedule. So, you know, what are some of your strategies to help prevent or maybe cope with moments of burnout? So that's not a fair question because when I'm on the road, <laughs> I don't, I don't take care of myself as well. So like my method, my, my, my methodology about, about my nutrition is, uh, Monday through Friday, eat as healthy as possible. Uh, Friday through Sunday, just get through it. <laughs> just whatever, whatever happens, happens. Like I pack stuff, like, like I'll pack a lot of tuna or protein bars. And then I also, I, um, I try to bring like a lot of, uh, some of my supplements with me on the road to help keep my appetite under control and stuff like that. But honestly, like once I get on the road, whatever caffeine I can inhale, I try to chug water in between that. So I don't kill my body, but like, I probably, I drink the most unhealthy amount of caffeine when I'm on the road, because it's like, for example, this weekend, (laughs) I, I screwed myself so much this weekend because I had to I was on the road since Thursday and every flight that I had the next morning was at 6 Mm a.m. And if you know anything about shows, no matter how early you get done, you tend not to get back to your hotel room until like one or two in the morning. So every single night I only got like an hour of sleep and then I had to wake back up, go to the airport, get on a flight, kind of take a nap on that flight, but not really. And then get on another flight. And so that's what my life was like for the last four days. That's why I was telling you earlier, like I was like, I'm still recovering. Um, but I think I probably drank like three or four energy drinks a day and then just chugged water in between that. And then if I remembered to eat, I ate like it was on the road. It's you just get through it. But when I'm at home, when I'm at home, I'm I'm healthy as healthy as a button. Like it's, it's ridiculous, but yeah, that's pretty much how you do it. And I think it too, it helps when you're around other wrestlers because you're all tired and you just feed off each other's energy and you're like, all right, let's do this. You're, you're all in this together. Yeah. And it definitely helps that like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tight knit family. So when you're on the road, like the people who are local, they're there, they help you, they, they get you through it. You know, like you don't necessarily have to worry and then vice versa when they're in your area, you take care of them and stuff like that. So it's a little cycle of all of us just looking out for each other. Now, definitely too, like, going into this whole pandemic and the world being shut down, you mentioned, you mentioned it briefly a bit earlier. You've spoken about really hitting your stride on the independent scene. And of course, then the pandemic hit and just flipped the world upside down. And then (sighs) how did you end up coping with this turbulent time of having the ground pulled beneath you essentially? Um, I was very lucky. I had my boyfriend, Trevor, and his family. Um, I remember like, I mean, cause it wasn't even just like losing all my bookings and stuff like that. Um, I had finally like one of the big sacrifices that I had to make when I got into wrestling was not being able to hold a job <laughs> because I refused to, cause sometimes when you get into wrestling, uh, some people have the mentality that they have to work full time and then, you know, only commit wrestling one or one or two days a week. For me, because, and I think too, it's a big fact that I waited so long to get into it. As soon as I made the transition and I started, I said, no, wrestling's full-time. Even if that means that I don't make a lot of money, even that, even that, that means I'm eating out of Dollar Tree for the next couple of years of my life, wrestling is full-time. Um, so because of that, because I 
would give my employers like this ridiculous schedule that they weren't happy with. It was very hard for me to hold a job. And the year before the pandemic happened, I finally found a job that was accommodating my schedule. I worked at the Orlando airport. I did overnights there. And I said, Hey, like I'll work Sunday through Friday overnights, like no problem. You won't have to worry about me calling out, but I need these days off. And they were like, yeah, sure. Cause I was already at the point where I was training less and doing shows more. So as long as I could have the weekends off, that was the main goal. And they were very accommodating to that. So I was like, all right, I'm finally pulling a good paycheck, making money off of wrestling, traveling all the time. Like, this is great. And then of course, bookings get cut. And then a few weeks later, I get a call. I was at my, my boyfriend's cousin's wedding and I get a call from my employer. Like, yeah, um, we're going to have to let you go. And I was like, no. (laughs) So as soon as that happened, uh, I remember my boyfriend and his mom were like, we've got you, whatever it takes move here. Like we'll take care of you. And so I did that. I moved from Orlando to South Florida and then, they just, yeah, they were, they were my rock through that whole thing. So I, I owe a lot to them because otherwise I might be homeless right now with nowhere to go. So, I mean, and that's, that's the, that's the risk you take when you get into wrestling. There's a, there was a lot of moments where it was like this close to being homeless. And then thank God somebody was there and looked out for me again, another universe. That could, exactly. Mm-hmm. Another thing. Like, I remember, um, like after my brothers, cause my brothers and I stuck together for like two or three years and then eventually, you know, they, they had their own path that they needed to follow. And I completely understood, but we all had to go our separate ways. And I was looking at living alone and I was like, I am nowhere financially able to do this. And then one of my wrestling buddies was like, Hey, I have an extra room. Come live with me. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then when that journey ended, a person that I worked with at one of my old jobs was like, Hey, this lady is desperate for money. You can come live with us. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then fast forward COVID lost my job and I just happened to be dating a wonderful, wonderful man. And he said, Hey, don't worry, come live with us. And I was like, and we'd only been dating for like a year. So I was like, are you sure this isn't too soon? And he's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's all good. And so I was like, all right, cool. And then as soon as we moved in, like his family just from, from that day has just been looking out for me. It's so beautiful to have that kind of support. And honestly, there's just, there was so much turbulence and chaos. So like things were just happening over the past two years. So, uh, but certainly amidst everything, there was obviously a very silver lining because you got these opportunities at AEW and through your time there, you've been able to spend time working alongside some truly fantastic minds in the wrestling world and expanding your knowledge. You're such a student of the game. So what's been the most helpful feedback or words of wisdom that you've received so far and who is it from? Oh, um, okay. So the people who talked to me the most when I was at AEW was Dustin, uh, Jerry Lynn, Cody, and, uh, Lance Archer. Oh, and of course, Billy. And, um, oh my gosh, you're, you're, you're asking me to go back through two years (laughs) and try to remember I'm sure you've gotten a lot of different great feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? There, there's a couple different ones. I'll start. I'll start with this one. Uh, I remember the first time AEW ever asked me to cut a promo. It had been a very long time since I cut a promo. And sometimes when you're cutting promos, you have words in your head, but then when you get in front of the camera and you speak and you hear your own voice, you're like, Oh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, that doesn't sound like me. Why, why am I speaking like this all of a sudden? 
And I remember after I cut this promo and it aired, Jerry Lynn came up and found me and said, what did you like about the promo? And what didn't you like? And then we had like a whole conversation about it. And then he, he gave me a little feedback about like what he used to rely on when he would cut his promos. And he, one of his biggest things was he said, if the real me wouldn't say that, like, like if, if there was a word that I wouldn't say, don't say it. Because I remember, can I swear on here? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I remember at the end of my promo, I said, I called, uh, it was about Nyla Rose. I called her a bitch. And like, I say, I say the word bitch in a joking manner a lot, but I don't just walk up to somebody and be like, like, yo, bitch. Like, I don't, I, I don't do that. That's not my personality at all. So I remember at the end of the promo, the promo was flowing, the promo was flowing. And then I got to the bitch word and it just sounded so unnatural coming out of my mouth. And he was like, yeah, he's like, if that's not something that you would naturally say when you're mad at somebody, he's like, don't say it. So I was like, all right, cool. And ever since then, like, it's helped me a lot with my promos because like, I'll do like a little run through. And if any word comes out of my mouth and it just feels unnatural, I find something else to say because I don't want, because sometimes it's very easy for promos, no matter how great the content of it is to get disrupted and the fans for fans to be like, what? Just because something you say doesn't sound natural. It doesn't sound right. Um, because we all have our different verbiage and our different ways of speaking. And sometimes when, when we're trying to convey a certain kind of energy to the people watching, we think we have to say something like this, but then it doesn't come off natural. So people are just uninterested. So for me, like that really helped me. And ever since then, I've gotten a lot better at formulating my promos. So that's definitely one of the things. And then, um, I think another great thing was, uh, was Billy. Um, <laughs> it was when we were in Texas and I wrestled Thunder Rosa for the first time there. Um, I knew, I knew that people were going to be cheering for Thunder because obviously it's Thunder and we're in Texas, but like, I wasn't expecting to get booed. So we had called this match like baby baby. And then I remember all I did was give her an arm drag I popped up to like put myself over and people were like, boo, you suck. And I was like, what? I'm a, I'm a baby face. Like what, what the hell's going on? And so I remember I got backstage because sometimes I get in my head, like we got to run the match, how we called it. So I got backstage and Billy walked up to me and he said, if that ever happens to you again, I don't give a crap what you guys called turn. And I went, Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know I was allowed to do that. He's like, he's like, he's like, who gives a crap? He's like, he's like, if you feel the energy of the crowd and you know that you can get a reaction out of them because of how they're being, go for it. So that was the thing. I mean, there's a lot of great things that people have told me, but I think those are the two things that stuck out to me the most because like, it was just little, little tiny little bits of, of, of help that just went a long way. So now like, and I've had several shows since then where it's like, I was supposed to go out and be the good guy, but because people weren't feeling me, I was like, all right, I'm going to feed off that and get more of a reaction out of you. So those two things have definitely teeny tiny little bits of help, but they definitely helped me go a long way. Yeah, definitely things like that can make a world of difference in, in presentation yes. and just how, yeah, how, how you approach different situations. Now, you call yourself the king of wrestling. And the mother effing king. Th this is the also true. A little extra, little extra spice on that. The mother effing yeah. king of wrestling. And one can't really take on that moniker without, I'd say, a good deal of confidence behind it. What do you feel like has helped you to build your self-esteem both in and out of the ring? I think definitely cutting promos more. Um, before I used to only cut them once in a blue moon when they were like absolutely necessary. And then I realized that 
I need to start doing it more because the more that I heard my voice and the more that like I found my dialogue, the more that I understood who I was in between all the moves. Because sometimes it's really easy to come out, have a match called and just go from bing, bang, boom. But when you know your voice and when you know how, like, for example, like I, I tend to hear a lot of what the audience says when I wrestle. And so if I, if we're in the middle, if I'm just following them around and we're just beating each other up and nothing necessarily is about to happen, I take the time to stop and look at somebody and respond to it, which I don't think people are very used to. They're like, wait, what? So I think the more, the more I speak, the more confidence I find, because the more I understand who I am when I'm inside a wrestling ring, um, that too. And just repetition. I mean, like the, the way I wrestle now is completely night and day how I wrestled when I had my very first show, uh, back in what was it, 2018, something like that. So I think more repetition and the more you speak, that's why I, there's a, there's a couple of people that I help train right now over at uh, CC, the other CCW in, in South Florida coastal, and, yeah. um, yeah, coastal championship wrestling. And, um, the biggest thing I tell them, I said, even if the promoter doesn't ask you cut a promo and send it in. I said, because the more you talk, the more you understand who you are as a wrestler, because I mean, like if, if some, like, for example, if somebody wants to put a title on you and they put a mic in your hand at the last second and don't tell you what's going to come out of your mouth, are you a good champion? Or are you a bad champion? Like, what is your personality? And for me, like my personality has always been finding strength in myself and hopefully spreading strength to other people that I wrestle because mm-hmm. I've always been a big believer in women supporting women and just helping each other evolve and grow and, and leave something very powerful and strong behind for future female wrestlers. So whether I'm a good guy or bad guy, like that's always my end goal is to just have the match of the night or just to, to show up and show out. So that's my personality. And that's why you see that in a lot of my promos is I don't really talk down about my opponents unless there's like a per, uh, something personal about the match, like somebody attacked me or something like that. Like majority of my promos are like, Hey, um, I know this about you, yada, yada, yada. This is me, but we're going to come here. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to show up, show out and show them exactly why women's wrestling is a draw. And then that's the other thing is like, I, uh, I tell people like, I'm going to show you why I'm the king of professional wrestling. Cause it has to do with the being multifaceted, being confident and like just having a presence, you know? Even as the king in, I mean, even Kylan as the person, you definitely can see the confidence that you have and the level of empowerment that you give off to others and probably feed off of others as well. But especially in pro wrestling, it can, I feel like it can kind of be hard not to compare ourselves to others. So how do you personally maybe combat or cope with those, those moments of comparison or self-doubt in an industry like this? Um, how do I answer that? (laughs) Um, I think the fact that I waited until I was older to get into wrestling helped with that a little bit. I think if I just started any younger, there would have definitely been a lot more uh, turmoil in my brain, but I had already gotten to a point in my life where I kind of knew, not necessarily knew who I was, but I had already gone through the phases of like, I'm not enough or, you know, I'm not pretty enough or, or, or talented enough. It was just a matter of doing the work. Um, cause I've always been, I've always been like the tall, pale, like weird friend and stuff like that. And I had just gotten to a point in my life where I embraced that. And, and, you know, and, and I think too, being at the point in my life where I'm in a very healthy relationship, 
and I'm surrounded by very loving people. And at the end, and so like, when I go into this, I'm not going into it thinking like, oh, I have to be better than everybody. It's just a matter of going into it and making sure that I get paid to do what I love. That's, that's kind of my outlook on it. Like I get it. It's a very competitive business, but at this point, like I've, I've gotten to do a lot of great things already. And, you know, yeah, we got to compete against the other competition, but right now it's just, I just want to be out there working, doing what I love. And if something happens, if I, if I get signed somewhere or somebody some, sees something in me and they want to push me, that's great. If not, I just keep doing it. And so if, when I keep my mindset on that and less about like, oh, well, I have to be better than this person. It, it's a lot more fun because at the end of the day, I just want to have fun and I want to get paid to do what makes me happy. <laughs> so if I keep my mindset there, it's a much, much healthier situation. And then, you know, like I said, if, if, if something good comes from it, contract or anything like that, that is a plus. And then we got to step our game up even more, but I try to look at it less as a competition and more just being happy and, and, and doing the damn thing. <laughs> well, you certainly are doing the damn thing. And I feel like yeah. along the way you've been doing a lot, as you talked about to help elevate and empower others. Now I heard an interview where you said that your goal as a kid was to basically become Wonder Woman. So yeah. what, what kind of advice would you currently, today's Kylan King, give to maybe a 10-year-old version of yourself? You guys are coming in with these hard-hitting questions, man. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me think. What was I like? I, I was very insecure at 10 years old. I think we um, all were, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe not to take everything so personally. I think there was a period in my life where it was like, if somebody didn't want to be my friend or, uh, you know, if, if I didn't get along with everybody, there was something wrong with me or there was something, uh, you know, it was because of the way I looked or maybe I was just really annoying. And I, I, I was at a point in my life where I didn't understand, like, not everybody has to like each other and that's okay. Just keep doing you, um, do what makes you happy, you know, make sure that you're, that you're living your best life but also keep working hard because I think, I think too, like the work ethic that I have now wasn't always there. And sometimes I wish it was because I wonder how much further I'd be if I had that. Um, but then again, that's, that's the other thing. It's, it's a journey. Like you got to find yourself along the way. But I think if I was looking back and I had to see my 10 year old stuff, I'd just tell her to chill, just chill. Cause there, there was a lot of times where I would just let things overwhelm me so much. And, uh, because of that, there was a lot of times where I didn't enjoy things as much as I could. Cause I did, I've done a lot of cool things in my life. Cause like I said before, like, because I didn't come out to my parents right away about what I wanted to do with my life. I, I took a lot of different avenues. I did theater. I did, I did a lot of different stuff. And so there was a lot of times where I was in the middle of doing really cool stuff, but I wasn't really enjoying it because I just took it way too seriously. So I would say have more fun and, and, and remember that like, just because you're learning doesn't mean you can't enjoy yourself at the same time. And you've definitely grown so much in the ring, of course, but as a person too much, like reflecting back at the 10 year old version of you. So who are some people for you who have particularly helped you grow as a woman? Um, definitely my mom. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of times growing up where her and I didn't get along, but she always set the example, like, uh, cause, uh, like I said, I have five brothers and then of course there's me and I'm the youngest and growing up, <clears throat> she, uh, after she got married and had her first kid, she, she stepped away from her schooling from college. Uh, she wanted to be a teacher. So she ended up 
um, homeschooling us for about 20 some years. And then finally, when I was old enough to go into high school, she went back to college and got her teaching degree and then became a teacher at like a legit public school. Um, so her, and then like my dad, like he, he was one of those fathers who, because he wanted a big family, he made the sacrifice and worked like three, four jobs, like on top of his, his very professional full-time job. That was his nine to five. Like he still worked so many jobs in between that. And I think they definitely set the example and the tone, like, doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter what kind of sacrifice you have to make. If you truly want something, this is what you have to do. And I think that example definitely helped shape the woman I am today. And I think every, honestly, every single coach that I've ever had who has tapped into a different side of my brain and helped me realize wrestling in a different way in, in the wrestling world, they have helped shape me. So, uh, Devon and Bubba and, uh, John Cruz, Jay Rios, Billy Gunn, Gangrel, um, Dustin, a lot of them have helped, helped shape me because there was, there was definitely a period in time in AEW where I was like terrified all the time. And they just helped me come to the realization like, Hey, like this is your time to grow and your time to shine. And, and they definitely did, had a huge impact on me. So for sure, those, those people. And of course, now, lastly, earlier, we talked about the universe pushing you towards pro wrestling. So now if you could manifest some personal or professional goals back into the universe, what would they be? Wait, say that again. What would, if you were to manifest some personal or professional goals back into the universe, maybe the next couple of years, what would some of those goals be for you? Um, one of my biggest goals right now is, uh, I just want to be everywhere. <laughs> um, my time with AEW isn't as constant anymore. So right now I just want to take this opportunity to invade as many territories as I can. And, you know, if I can take titles from those territories. Um, I would love to become the female belt collector. I think that'd be really, really cool. So that's definitely something I've been manifesting and, and I've got a lot of cool things happening in 2022. So hopefully we'll see that happening. Um, and I would definitely love to manifest some, some big, big fuel matches. Um, I, for me, I just want the, the matches that I appreciate the most are the, the people that I'm terrified to step in the ring with, like people who are either just like way more experienced than me or just have some crazy athleticism that I'm, that I haven't got to experience yet. So those are definitely some matches that I want because I'm never, I never want to settle for where I'm at. I always want to keep improving. Um, and so I think those are definitely some big goals that I would love to set because I would love to see what the King would do in that situation and how we'd step up and what kind of, uh, historical moments we could create. Now, I definitely am all here for, uh, Kylan King, the belt collector. You do have some competition though, in Viva van who holds like four belts right now. All right. Um, but I mean, I think that definitely should be a priority for you. Cause I would love to see you two go at it and definitely get some more gold on you. Kylan, the King. I'm, I mean, if she watches this, I'll go collect some belts. You keep holding on to your belts. And then maybe somewhere down the line, we have the, uh, a, a big, the belt collector match mm. and we just see, see who wins. Like no, no titles need to go on the line. It's that's not necessary. Just, you know, <laughs> belt collector versus belt collector. And we just see what happens. Like, that'd be really cool. I mean, there could definitely be a multiple uh, title shots thrown in that match, you, you know? So 
I mean, you had plenty, cool. plenty of arsenal to from yes, yes. you know? Yeah. 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 Well, Kylan, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us today. Of course, all of your links to your socials will be linked down below so folks can stay up to date. But for our audio listeners, can you tell them where they can find you online? Yes. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, super simple, at Kylan King. Um, I do have a Facebook, and I say this in every single interview. If you're a creeper, don't don't come on there because I won't add you. Um, but I most I mostly use Facebook for uh, promoters and for family, so um, I have that. And then uh, if you're looking for merch, you can find some of my merch at polygamics.com. Um, I have T-shirts there, stickers. I think they even sell like random iPhone cases and stuff like that. So, um, and I have new designs popping up there all the time. I think that's. I think that's all the links. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And I'm sure we'll have even more people reaching out to um, extend the mother effing King territory tour yes. uh, in 2022. So uh, yes. In the meantime, be sure that you are following Ella J at it's Ella J on Twitter and checking out a wrestling gal podcast with new episodes every week. You can find me at a Y Y Marino on all socials and on new episodes of let's get cereal on Saturday afternoons. So for Kylan King and Ella J I'm Alyssa Marino and we will see you next time on the next edition of CCW's in and out the locker room.